this is my 50 plus sunscreen, very necessary, it's fun to date like today. Heat warning issued as BC braces for a heat wave concerns raised for the province's most vulnerable and I carried a little old 82 year old woman off the bus. She was just black head to toe. The death toll continues to climb in the Maui wildfires as BC residents step up to help. Plus, he came and pumped another package at my door and sent me a picture of it. Here you go, your package was delivered. What would you do if Amazon kept delivering you the wrong package over and over? One woman's nightmare that just wouldn't stop. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thank you for joining us. A heat warning has been issued for parts of southwestern BC with temperatures expected to reach into the mid-30s and even higher in some areas, which could prove dangerous for some. There are now renewed calls for the province to do more to help those most at risk. For these seniors, the Canadian Masters Outdoor Track and Field Championships are all about proving age is just a number. It's nice to stay active and then also a social aspect to keep you feeling young and, and uh, healthy. But age isn't the only hurdle they're trying to overcome. It's also a race to beat the heat. 85-year-old Renata Cheatham hoping to wrap up all of her events before the temperatures ramp up. I do baseball. And I do javelin, I do everything. A heat warning in effect for much of BC's south coast. Starting Sunday, a prolonged heat wave is expected throughout much of the week until Thursday. The province says health authorities and hospitals are bracing for an expected increase in patients suffering from heat-related illnesses. For seniors and for people with certain health conditions, this actually can be quite dangerous and it can still be fatal. The temperatures likely nowhere near those that we saw in 2021's heat dome that killed dozens. But advocates for BC's most vulnerable say not enough is being done by the province to prevent a similar tragedy from happening again. I think we still have not sufficiently tackled the need to have an evacuation plan, for want of a better term, that certain people, when temperatures are at a certain level, it's not going to be safe for them to remain in their apartment. Here at the Burnaby Blues and Roots Festival, keeping cool is front of mind. Uh, hydrate well and um, have some sunglasses so you look good as you're roasting. <laughs> With extra precautions being taken by those in attendance. This is my 50 plus sunscreen, very necessary on a date like today. And water. And water, right. It's so good that they have free water here. That's one of the big bonuses of this festival. And with more on how hot it could get and for how long we bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell. Yvonne, some answers to those questions. Yes, Kamal, yes, the heat warning, all courtesy of a ridge of high pressure that's building and strengthening right across the province. Right now, we do have it in effect right along the eastern edge of the island, ex excluding the Sunshine Coast, Howe Sound, the lower mainland, into the Fraser Valley and the Fraser Canyon. Now, what's key is temperatures will be soaring along the coast, will be into the mid to high 20s. We could push closer to 30 degrees, but it's inland that will be into the mid 30s, and some of the hottest temperatures will be for the interior with the mid and upper 30s. A few spots will get closer 
closer to 40 degrees, and that'll likely peak Wednesday. And in towards the interior, we could continue to track the heat even in towards our Friday. With it, not much of a reprieve. Our overnight lows, most areas anywhere between 17 and 18 degrees, and that's key. So overnight, not much of a reprieve. And then through the day, temperatures will be soaring. I'll have more on the heat wave, and the fire danger rating is expected to ramp up as well, coming up very shortly. Okay, all important information. Thanks so much, Yvonne. The death toll from the inferno that tore through Maui early Tuesday now stands at 80. Around 1,000 people are still missing. Survivors are relying on each other for help. Our Nitu Garcha is in Maui and has been speaking with evacuees. Nitu, what's the situation there and what have you heard? Kamil, some people were allowed to return to Lahaina on Friday before the road was closed off to others who remain in the dark about whether their loved ones are alive. People across the island are anxious and banding together to support those in need, including a B.C. principal who's lived on Maui for years and spoke to us moments after driving through the devastated community for the first time. Canadian Ryan Kirkham drove through the devastated community of Lahaina for the first time on Friday since the inferno tore through the town. Without the landmarks, hard to know exactly where you were in Lahaina at times. Uh, it's going to take years to rebuild. The B.C. principal, who's lived on Maui for years, says when the wildfires broke out Tuesday night, his school, known as Maui Prep, was spared, but quickly became an evacuation centre. On one of the first buses that came, I carried a little old 82-year-old woman off the bus just... She, she was just black head to toe, and, and, but she had been in the ocean for three hours. Um, and somebody picked her up, put her on a bus. The school is now a distribution centre for food, clothing and supplies. We were just helping people that came to our school. There were people who decided to stay down in town. As we were driving, we were like... I have no idea where we are right now. Like, Kona Deneen also made it into the restricted area for the first time Friday. It's so much destruction. It's insane over there. It's, it's like a war zone. It's, things just, it looks like the whole place just blew up. Deneen's home and family were spared. He spent his days picking up and dropping off donations where they're most needed. As a Hawaiian also mourning the loss of sacred lands, he's hoping the historic banyan tree extending over 18 meters will survive. It's really hard to kill a fight. Yes. You know, they didn't have enough tools to fight something like that and it just got out of hand. As people wait in long lines to get into Lahaina, no cause has been determined for the three major wildfires burning on Maui. Through the uncertainty of what's next, Kirkham says many are defiant and determined to rise from the ashes. West Maui and Lahaina just has a weird way of, of pulling together and, and just kind of shaking their fist at the circumstances and, and, and saying, you know what, you might knock us down, but we're just going to come back stronger. The compassion here is on display wherever we go, but we have also heard some growing frustrations. Local police have reported some of those who've been allowed back into Lahaina have been breaking the rules and going into restricted areas. And there have also been many reports of looting. Kamil? Thanks so much, Nitu, reporting from Maui. While well, the disaster in Maui happened an ocean away, the impacts are being felt right here in B.C. A Vancouver area family has lost its dream vacation home there. And as Cassidy Moscone reports, they're now looking to help the community rebuild. A B.C. couple's Lahaina home on fire. Retirement plans incinerated, years of memories ablaze. 
we're wondering about our place and someone sends a photo to us um, and my son's looking he's like where's this and it's like a hundred foot tall flamed inferno and it's, it's our house it's our it's our neighborhood and it was all gone all gone yeah Jason Toth and his wife Ginger split their time between Tawasan and the Hawaiian island. A long time dream the parents worked hard to make a reality. On Tuesday night, they watched the horror unfold from afar. On Wednesday morning, heartbreak when friends and family sent them this. Ginger, I'm so, so sorry. We're feeling bad for ourselves and then it's like we gotta snap out of it and then we're feeling bad for everyone else and then our family and it's just it's this cascading layer upon layer of just devastation. Insured and alive, Jason and Ginger consider themselves lucky. They're now focusing all of their energy on helping the community of Lahaina. This is a natural disaster and the U.S. government is stepping in, but yet our families and friends are scared because there's rumors or apparently looting going on and, and apparently gunpoint looting, and they're hearing this and they're scared for their lives. A GoFundMe page set up not just to help their family, but the entire community. Any fund that just comes in, it's, it's getting Venmoed, it's getting transferred immediately out. So they have the supplies, mm -hmm. so they can get the supplies that they're needing that aren't being provided for. Mm -hmm. They can get some security because mortgages are still owed, um, uh, bills are still having to be paid, uh, life still has to happen, and they have no life, they have no jobs. A lack of power mm -hmm. and communication, leaving Maui residents in the dark hoping BC can lend a hand to help Hawaii heal. Cassidy Moscone, Global News. Meanwhile, travel experts are advising anyone who has an upcoming trip booked to Hawaii to check with their airline and accommodation providers. Parts of Maui, including Lahaina, have been devastated by the fire with thousands of properties destroyed, including two historic hotels. The Hawaii Tourism Authority says people with trips planned to Maui or parts of the big island impacted by fire should consider rescheduling their travel for a later time. The difficulty will be if you're staying somewhere on Maui that's outside of Kihei or Lahaina, mm -hmm. particularly, then maybe in Kanapali area or somewhere else, you need to check on the status of your accommodation. Hotels and tour companies will be in touch with you. If you've booked with Airbnb, then check with them as well that everything's still good for you to go mm -hmm. and they've got all their facilities. Several airlines are offering refunds and rescheduling at no extra cost to help those impacted by the wildfires. While some major hotel chains and Airbnb are also allowing flexible cancellation options. RCMP are investigating a shooting at a Surrey bus stop this afternoon. Police were called to the 8900 block of 152nd Street at Fraser Highway shortly after noon. A 38-year-old man was found shot in the face. Police say he had bumped into a cyclist. There was an exchange between the two men. Then the suspect pulled out a gun and fired. The victim was rushed to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. RCMP are now searching for a man 20 to 30 years old with a medium build, dirty blonde hair and a light beard. He was wearing a dark hoodie, board shorts and carrying a man purse and a blue bag with empty cans. 
A man has been killed in an apparent mountain biking accident near Whistler. It was on Thursday that RCMP were called to a report of a body found on a black diamond trail called Kill Me, Thrill Me. It's on the west side of Highway 99 northeast of Green Lake. The man had gone for a ride on Tuesday and failed to return, but was not reported missing. Police say it appears to have been a tragic accident and foul play is not suspected at this time. Well, on paper, it sounds like a dream. Dozens of pairs of shoes landing on your doorstep for free. But it's a nightmare for a Langley woman who says she never ordered any shoes and now can't get the shipments to stop. As Julia Foy reports, the case is not only puzzling her, but RCMP as well. What else we got? We got Patton, we got Sparkles. Oh, my. Langley resident Anka Nitu is showing off her shoe collection. But when the pairs started arriving at her doorstep two months ago, it was a complete surprise. I called Amazon in Canada, not knowing which Amazon that is, and they said, no, this is not our order. And I said, okay, maybe it's a mistake. The so-called mistake kept happening, and up to 50 pairs of shoes have been delivered from across the U.S. Then it dawned to me that these are actually people from the States who bought uh, shoes on Amazon and wanted to return them. And the Amazon platform uh, provided them my home address. Many of these shoes were purchased on Amazon for over 100 U.S. dollars. And if they look a little bit like Las Vegas, that's because that's where many of their customers were. Global found two of the shoe styles on Amazon's Marketplace website. A new package opened Saturday had something different inside. Instead of just a shoebox, it carried original packaging, which shows the shoes were shipped from China to a U.S. address. Instead of returning them to China, they returned them to Canada. How does that make you feel? Uh, angry. The Langley RCMP confirmed to Global News that it has an open investigation into this case. We are investigating any potential impersonation or identity theft of her personal information, as well as just looking into whether or not her address is being used for a nefarious purpose. Nitu claims she's been trying to get UPS to cancel over $350 worth of invoices for brokerage fees related to bringing the shoes over the border. As for Amazon, late Saturday afternoon, Global received an email which says the case in question has been addressed and corrective action is being taken to stop the packages. Nitu says she got the same promise on Wednesday, but on Thursday... They came and plonked another package at my door and sent me a picture of it. Here you go. Your package was delivered. Yeah, I was livid. Julia Foy, Global News. The developer of a proposed condo tower in downtown Kelowna is responding to a report that it paid proponents to speak at a public hearing. City Council is considering rescinding a Pelts development permit for a 25-story tower planned for the site of the former RCMP detachment. A Pelt Properties maintains the per diem of up to $250 per speaker was only to make up for missed work shifts, travel and inconvenience they may have experienced. It says no policies or rules were broken. The developer questions the real motivations behind the latest move by the city. 
Childcare deficits, unaffordable housing, and inadequate income are the main issues keeping Vancouver families in poverty. That's according to a report by First Call Child and Youth Advocacy Society. Researchers spoke to 60 Vancouver parents who work in precarious or low-wage positions. They say with the cost of living rising so dramatically in Vancouver, many have considered moving out of the city but aren't able to do that either. Families think about that because the costs here are so high and they think, oh, I'd love to go to a place where housing or rentals are cheaper or maybe food is cheaper, uh, but they can't afford the move. Uh, they can't afford to give up what they have. They can't afford to find new rentals. And rentals around the province are, are starting to go up in other cities besides Vancouver as well. So they feel stuck. Key recommendations from the report include meaningful rent controls, safe housing, ensuring affordable childcare for all Vancouver children, and expanding student loan forgiveness for parents living in poverty. A Metro Vancouver family is figuring out their next steps after a freak accident left their Tesla without a roof. Augustine Fan and his family were out for dinner in Richmond last night when he got a notification that his car alarm was triggered. When he went out to check, he found a bird on his hood and the roof smashed. The parking lot is situated under a YVR flight path, and his best guess is a plane clipped the bird and the animal landed directly on the roof. I'm very fortunate that it didn't happen when we were exiting a car or entering the car. Like, you know, imagine if the incident happened when someone was in the car. Not only would we get injured, uh, but there would be pieces of glass over us. Like, you can see the big pieces in the, in, in, in the car, but there's a, like, a lot of fine particles that you can't see. And... Today, when I brought the car back out in the driveway in the sun, I can see more. So even though I spent like three, four hours vacuuming, I couldn't get rid of all. Fan says what he's thankful for most is that his young daughter wasn't near the car at the time. Okay, coming up, looming fears of another crane collapse in Kelowna. Two years after the deadly incident, a judge has put a development on hold out of fears it could happen again. Plus... A whale of a performance, the orcas that weren't shy about putting on a show. That's up next. Kelowna Construction Company has been ordered to halt the use of a crane that operates over a nearby apartment building. As Global's Victoria Famia reports, the building owners are citing safety and a recent tragedy as reasons for the civil suit. A crane operating near an apartment building in Kelowna has become the subject of a civil suit in B.C. Supreme Court. Stober Construction, the owner of Movala, a development under construction, has been barred from using the crane in the airspace above a neighbouring apartment complex called Palisades, which is owned by Whitmar Holdings. According to court documents, talks began in February of 2022, when Stober asked permission of Whitmar to allow the use of the airspace for the crane, but the request was refused because of a recent tragedy. Whitmar cited the fatal crane collapse that happened on July 12, 2021 on St. Paul Street, advising that based on that tragedy, this crane would put hardships and stress on its tenants. 
The crane collapse resulted in the death of four workers on the construction site and the death of another individual that was struck by the crane boom in an adjacent building unrelated to the construction. The property manager at Palisade denied an on-camera interview. However, he provided Global News with a statement, saying about two weeks ago the crane was hanging over our buildings. They are huge. Some tenants contacted me and they felt uncomfortable. There have been complaints about loud noises and things falling down. Since the crane accident a couple of years ago, we can't have any risky situations here. According to court documents, the crane used by Stober on the construction of Movala has the capacity to overswing the palisade, including the terrace, by 20 meters. And on February 7, 2023, Whitmar issued a cease and desist letter to Stober. However, Stober replied to Whitmar, advising that the crane would not impact the use of the property by its occupants during construction. Then Whitmar responded with one simple word. Sorry. The two parties never reached an agreement, and the judge found that Stober acted without securing an agreement on the use of airspace. As well, that Whitmer has a strong case for trespass based on evidence that they will suffer irreparable harm should the injunction not be granted. And with that, the courts granted an injunction restraining Stober from trespassing over the airspace at 3195 Walnut Street for four months. Whitmore can make an application for a further extension. Victoria Famia, Global News, Kelowna. Residents of Maple Bay on Vancouver Island got quite the surprise Friday afternoon. Oh my! Oh my indeed. This incredible video was taken by a Global News viewer who says they were eating lunch on their deck when they were treated to quite the show. This pot of orcas was seen surfacing just meters away from the shoreline of Maple Bay near Duncan. Researchers believe orcas jump out of the water sometimes for pure enjoyment. Boy, aren't they lucky. All right, still to come, Hollywood holds its breath. The writers' union mulls over a proposal from the studio sparking hope the strike is nearing an end and raising awareness of the silent killer why officials are warning the public this week about the risks of carbon monoxide poisoning. Stay with us. There are signs that Hollywood writers could soon return to work after more than 100 days on the picket lines. The writers' union said it had received a counterproposal from the studios that it would send to its members for consideration. The Writers Guild of America said it would respond as early as next week. Hollywood writers hit the picket lines back on May 2nd and were joined by screen actors in July. Experts say a potential deal for writers could also accelerate the chance of actors reaching an agreement to return to work. Heading to the cabin, a music festival, or an outdoor vacation this summer, technically, Technical Safety BC, rather, is reminding you to be carbon monoxide aware and understand the dangers associated with exposure. Known as the silent killer, carbon monoxide is odorless and unidentifiable without proper safety equipment. It's the byproduct of common fuel burning appliances and equipment used while camping, and if used in an enclosed space, it could be deadly. Safety experts say the symptoms of poisoning can be mistaken for other health issues. You know, as everybody's out this summer, um, there's possibilities of, of being fooled and, and having symptoms that 
you may not understand are caused by carbon monoxide. It can, it can mimic things like uh, heat stroke, or it can mimic things like overindulgence of alcohol or, or food poisoning. So what we really want is we just want everybody to be aware, uh, consider carbon monoxide, um, take some early steps to make sure that while they're out and enjoying the outdoors this summer, that they do it safely. Carbon monoxide detectors should be installed in homes, RVs and cabins and never operate fuel burning equipment in enclosed spaces. All right, up next, the meteor shower that might have you staying up tonight. Because it's one of the most easily visible you know, manifestations of everything that's out there. When and where to best view the Perseid meteor shower coming up after this short break. Stargazers are going to be treated to a real show in the sky this weekend with the peak of the Perseid meteor shower expected tonight. The Perseids is one of the most active and impressive meteor showers, and it's made extra special this time around because it coincides with the new moon. We're in a favorable position to watch it as well with clear skies rather expected. The Perseids uh are a fantastic kind of, in my opinion, introduction, if you will, uh, to really getting interested in astronomy. Um, because it's one of the most easily visible, you know, manifestations of everything that's out there. Um, for a lot of people who have never really seen a proper meteor shower before, um, it's a bit of a mind-blowing experience. Now, if you're looking for a good spot to take it all in, a viewing party is happening at Alder Grove Regional Park from 8 to 11 tonight. All right, meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now with a look at the forecast. Yvonne, are you going to be staying up to watch the Perseids meteor shower? Let's see if I can stay up late enough. Yourself, Kamal, just depends. I don't know. Well, we have the 11 o'clock newscast, yeah, so and Burnaby Mountain is just right here. So maybe, maybe if I'm maybe. up for it, yeah, if I'm at least, awake. At least the forecast will cooperate, so that's, that's good. That's true. It's nice to have you here, Kamal. Good evening, everyone. Uh, we're tracking the heat, the heat warning, a big uh, story that we'll continue to watch in the coming days. First off, we're currently sitting at 22 degrees. We've had a warm and sunny start to our weekend. We've got a southwesterly wind at 9 kilometers per hour. Hot spot across the province at 34.1. That's in Lytton for today. A few other spots across the province were soaring though into the 30s. Areas near the Thompson Okanagan. Even across the central interior Prince George today getting up to 24 degrees. Now the plan overnight and taking us in towards tomorrow. We do have clear skies. We'll be closer between 16 and 18 degrees and that high tomorrow 26 27 away from the water. We're closer to 33 but do keep in mind the humidex areas away from the water tomorrow will be feeling like 38 degrees so plan ahead we are going to be tracking that heat once again the heat warning that is in effect for all areas that are in pink we're seeing it right along the sunshine coast eastern regions of the island how sound extending in towards the fraser valley all areas across the lower mainland and including the fraser canyon areas in towards the interiors when we'll see some of the hottest temperatures into the mid and upper 30s where we could get up to 40 degrees and that's what will continue Continue to track with areas in towards the interior, likely seeing the heat wave lasting in towards Friday and most areas along the coast that will take us in towards our Thursday. A reminder with the hot and dry conditions, we've got no precipitation for the southern half. We're seeing the fire danger rating already sitting at high and I anticipate these areas will be 
albeit high to extreme in the coming days. Now, the northern half of the province, bit of a blip and a different weather story. We are tracking rainfall with Prince Rupert up to 17 degrees. The heat is on for the central interior, but it'll start to increase with many areas in towards the southern half of the province, seeing some of the hottest days Wednesday, Thursday, and still continuing for the interior leading in towards our Friday. Inland across the island for tomorrow, Port Alberni up to 34 degrees, and there is that range in temperatures. It'll be a touch cooler by the water inland, though, and into the Fraser Valley. We're up to 33, but that Humidex, it's going to feel like 38 degrees. Monday onwards, we've got this prolonged heat wave continuing all the way in towards our Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Temperatures away from the water up to 33. Kamal? Breaking a sweat just looking at those you numbers. Bet. Thanks so much, Yvonne. A popular food truck will soon flip its last burger, the three-year labor of love squashed by rising costs and red tape. Serious Craving is known for its specialty smash burgers. The truck's co-owner says the business boomed during the pandemic, but inflation, rising interest rates, and grocery prices all taking too big of a bite into their bottom line. And they're not alone. One industry expert says the future of food trucks as a whole is looking grim. It's very difficult without having a bricks and mortar. Uh, there is uh, license, uh, licensing issues per city. Uh, it's not just one, one blanket license to cover the lower mainland. And sometimes they're only doing one or two events in that city and it's costing them, you know, $300 for that license. We're certainly not the only one that, that feel the punch. You know, we're, we're part of a couple groups that uh, converse within the food truck community. We're all quite friendly with each other and non-competitive. Uh, we're all feeling the same struggles. The food truck will run until the end of September. All right, Barry joins us now with a look yeah, at sports. I'm, I'm hungry a, for a burger. could use me a smash burger. <laughs> Listen, you do sports, we'll go grab a burger. Yeah, well, yeah, you know exactly. Perfect. You know who loves burgers. <laughs> uh, you know who loves burgers and lots of football players. And That's true. Lions That's are true. playing right now. They'll be uh, real hungry uh, after their game against Calgary. Lions are just finishing up, and they look great. They were terrible last week in uh, Winnipeg, but have really bounced back. So we'll have highlights of that. And Nathan Rourke, the former Lion, played his first game in the NFL with the Jacksonville Jaguars, their first exhibition game, and he was great. And we've got highlights of that coming up All as right, well. right, looking forward so. to that. Thanks so much, Barry. All right, still to come on Global News Hour, what to do when you're done with that electric vehicle while gas-powered vehicles get torn down and stripped for parts. Companies have had to find new creative ways to dispose of EVs. That's up next. When your car reaches its end of life, you'll probably take it to a wrecking yard where it'll be stripped for parts. Things get a bit more complicated, though, when that vehicle is electric. In a story that was originally featured on the new reality, Krista Hesse visits a Canadian company where old or defective electric car batteries are given a new life. Welcome to the urban mine. There's no hole in the ground or tailings. These minerals are coming from a new source, electric car batteries. That's very cool. Kind of looks like dirt, but... Kind of looks like dirt. Guarantee you it's not dirt. That dark, shiny material is called black mass. It's a concoction of minerals made from old or defective batteries that have been shredded and broken down. Black Mass is the bread and butter of Lycycle, a Canadian battery recycler that wants to make sure the precious minerals and batteries don't go to waste. So how many batteries get recycled at this facility? It's 5,000 tons per year. It's a lot of batteries. It's a lot of batteries. 
Daniel Demers is the plant manager here at Lifecycle's facility in Kingston, Ontario. He gave us a close-up look at how the recycling process works. This is a skid of modules. In an EV car, the entire bottom of the car would be full of these. We take off the bits and pieces that, uh, that we don't want to shred, and then we lift it up onto the conveyor and send it on its merry way up into the shredder. The lithium-ion battery recycling industry, which barely existed a few years ago, is now booming. There really hasn't been a change of this scale since the last time we moved from the horse and buggy uh, to the original combustion engine, which you know was a process that took over 100 years. We're trying to get there in just a couple decades. Lithium, cobalt, nickel, graphite, and manganese are crucial for these new batteries. But you can't open a mine overnight. Mines take a long time to build in most countries. So we've got this supply and demand crunch that's being forecast. That's where recycling comes in. Starting in 2030, the first wave of electric vehicle batteries are expected to reach their end of life. Part of the solution to this supply problem lies in what happens to those EV batteries when they run out of juice. Lithium is the most valuable component now of those batteries. Before starting Lifecycle, Ajay Kochar worked in battery manufacturing as an engineer. He watched as lithium-ion became the most popular battery chemistry, and then started looking into whether any recyclers were recovering lithium. And to our dismay, we found that you actually can't recover lithium through these traditional approaches, which tend to burn off materials that they don't want. So that was really an aha moment for us. Right now, Lifecycle's black mass is sold to outside vendors. But later this year, they will open a new plant in upstate New York. It's there that they'll use a new chemical process to recover the various minerals from the black mass, including lithium. Think of it as urban mining. And how much are you able to reuse from those batteries that you're recycling? So we're getting up to 95% uh, recoverable material from those batteries. With a new stream of battery-grade materials coming from recyclers, it could reduce the need for mining and all the impacts that come along with it. This solves the problem, gets it out of the landfill, gets it back into industry, gets it back into your next device. Krista Hesse, Global News. And coming up, the Lions try and claw back against Calgary after a devastating blowout loss last week. Can they fare any better against the Stampeders? Barry is in with a look at sports. Don't miss the Jonas Brothers coming to Rogers Arena. Be there November 11th as they return to Vancouver to play five albums in one night this fall. Tickets are on sale now. Head to the Royal BC Museum to learn about Anchor, the lost empire of Cambodia. Marvel at 120 spectacular artworks and original artifacts from ancient Anchor, never before seen in Canada. RoyalBCMuseum.bc.ca for more info. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman. Our BC is brought to you by the PE. Eat, play, love at the PE Fair. Don't miss the Superdog Summer Night Concerts, Thrilling Rides, Fabulous Food, and more. Celebrate summer at the PE Fair. All right, sports guru Barry joins us now for a look at sports. Uh, Lions trying to redeem themselves after an embarrassing loss last it week. Was, uh, that would be a good way to put it. They did not look themselves, but uh, they, they're back. They're back, Kamal. Thanks. A couple of uh, questions facing the Lions today in their game against the Stampeders at BC Place. Number one, could they bounce back after getting thumped last week in Winnipeg? And 
Could Vernon Adams Jr. come back from a knee injury after missing basically the last three games and pick up where he left off, which was at a pretty high level? The answer, yes and yes, which is great. Vernon Adams looking for a fast start to get the confidence up. I think this qualifies. Opening drive finds Alexander Hollins all alone in the end zone for the touchdown. Nicely drawn up play by the Lions. Six-yard TD pass, 7-0 quickly for the home side. More from Alexander Hollins. Quick little shovel pass here, gets a block, cuts it up the middle, scampers 27 yards. That led to a Sean White field goal. It's 10-0 Lions. Then on the next possession, Adams looking real good. How about this delivery to Keon Hatcher? Drops it in perfectly. That is a great sign for Adams and Lions fans. Definitely had the timing and the touch today, and that leads to this. Adams to Hatcher one more time. Seven-yard touchdown. What a start for the Lions. 17-0. Adams Jr., 142 yards passing and two touchdowns in the first quarter. Lions defense was torched with the deep ball numerous times last week in Winnipeg. Much better tonight. Gary Peters almost with the pick, but the Lions D getting its swagger back tonight. More from Vernon Adams going deep and another perfect strike to Keon Hatcher. Five catches, 130 yards already for Hatcher. No Dominique Rhymes in the lineup, but Hatcher was excellent tonight. But not all bouquets for Vernon Adams. Gets picked off by former Lion Micah Awe. First mistake of the day for Adams. Actually, that was pretty much his only one. But the Lions get it right back on special teams. Calgary punter doesn't even get the ball off his foot. Matthew Betts stole it from him. Lions have it at the Calgary 10-yard line. And two plays later, Adams going to Taquan Mizell out of the backfield. Mizell juggles it but hangs on for the touchdown. Third TD pass of the half for, the Adam, uh, for Adams and BC led 27-6. And at halftime, the Lions inducted the great Wally Buono onto their wall of fame. CFL's winningest coach, 282 wins, 129 of them with the Lions. Fourth quarter, Lions add to their lead. Adams to a wide open Lucky Whitehead, his first TD of the year. Adams' fourth touchdown pass of the day. He's thrown for 322 yards. Late fourth quarter, Lions are going to win it. They're up 37-9. to Former Lion Nathan Rourke saw some playing time today in the Jacksonville Jaguars' first preseason game in Dallas, and he was impressive, which shouldn't surprise anyone around here. Nathan ran for 21 yards and a touchdown and threw for a touchdown and a two-point conversion in a 28-23 Jaguars win, and we've got highlights. Nathan came into the game in the third quarter and promptly drives the Jags downfield, zips this pass to Elijah Cooks, who takes it down to the Dallas three-yard line, a 32-yard gain. And then we've seen this before, haven't we? Around the goal line, Rourke going to do it all himself. A quarterback keeper scampers in for the touchdown. His first in the NFL gives Jacksonville the lead. And then they go for two, and Nathan, looking good, fires a bullet to Oliver Martin to get the two-pointer. 22-16 Jags, but this is the play they're talking about in Jacksonville. Fourth quarter, Rourke somehow evades the sack. Three tacklers missed him, and then while going down, it's a touchdown strike to Cadre Allison. What a play. How did he do that? Another magical play from Rourke, who's number three on the depth chart in Jacksonville, but he is so good, you know he's made a great impression. Jags won it 28-23. to 
And it is a great debut for North and Rourke. Uh, we expect to see to get uh, a lot more playing time in the next preseason game as well. Canadian Elite Basketball League Championship weekend. Hometown Bandits playing the Calgary Surge in the semis yesterday. Bandits struggled all season with consistency 8-12 and 12 during the regular season. But Nick Ward, another 21 to lead the team. Alex Campbell added 18, had five three-pointers. The Bandits catch up all night long, went ahead late, but... Unfortunately, Stephen Smith hit the game-winning three-pointer and the surge win. They will play Scarborough in tomorrow's championship game, 4 o'clock tomorrow at Langley Event Center. Baseball today in the Blue Jays added slugger Jose Bautista to their level of excellence, just the seventh player to get the honor. Most famous for that epic bat flip in the 2015 playoffs versus Texas, but 288 homers as a Blue Jay. Only Carlos Delgado hit more and a real fan favorite. An emotional day for Jose. Cubs were spoiling the party early, though. Dansby Swanson swats a three-run homer off the starter Chris Bassett. 4-1 Chicago, but Toronto rallied. Whit Merrifield, boy, continues his fantastic season. Gets on top of the high fastball, smashes it over the fence in left center. 11th homer for Whit. It's 4-3, and then in the sixth, two out, two on for Santiago Espinosa. All. A rare two-out hit for the Jays with runners in scoring position. They've struggled in that role this year, but a bit of a bad break. It's a ground rule double, so only one run scores instead of two, so it's 4-4. And that was big because Christopher Morrell will line one off Jordan Hicks into the corner and left with a game-winning run. And the Cubs spoil Jose Bautista Day 5-4 the final. Jays now tied with the Mariners for the final wild card spot. Third round of the St. Jude Classic from Memphis. First playoff tournament of three on the PGA Tour. Englishman Tommy Fleetwood still looking for his first win in North America. Could come tomorrow. He's right in there. This birdie putt gets him to a 12-under. Solo third, two off the lead. But it's the veteran Lucas Glover. 43 years old. One last week just to get into the top 70 and into the playoffs. He's trying to go back-to-back. His approach at 13th to uh, 5 feet would make that for birdie. He's got the uh, lead at 14-under, one better than Taylor Moore. Canadian uh, Adam Hadwin out of Abbotsford, of course, started the day in uh, the top 10. Played okay, not great. His best shot here, the tee ball on the par 3 14th, hits it to 5 feet. And then he will convert the short birdie putt. One under 69 for Adam. Tied 12th at 8 under. Adam Svensson minus 5. Nick Taylor minus 3. Only the top 50 in the standings advance to next week. And all three BC boys should make it, which is pretty impressive considering the field. For Saturday, the English Premiership season. Arsenal, second place to Man City last year, hosting Nottingham Forest. Gunners get on the board first. Eddie Nikita, or Nikita cuts back into the box and drills it through for the goal. 1-0 Arsenal, and then later in the half, Bakayo Saka. This is brilliant. Thumps the left footer in the back of the old onion bag. Arsenal are a winner in their season opener. 2-1 the final over Nottingham Forest. And Women's World Cup quarterfinals from down under. Host Australia taking on France. No Aussie men's or women's team had ever made it this far in a World Cup. Scoreless after 120 minutes. Penalty kicks. France. Vicky Basho will ring one off the post. So advantage Aussies. This is for the win. Courtney Vane, 21 years old. All of Australia hoping and praying she will score. And she does. And... Australia celebrate. They are through to the semifinals. They advance past France 7-6.
on penalties. The second semi featured England and Colombia. Colombians led 1-0 late first half, but deep into stoppage time, a big scramble in the box. The Colombian keeper can't control it. And Lauren Hemp will take the gift for the English, ties it up 1-1. And then in the 63rd, Alicia Russo breaks free. And this is the winner. England and Australia will meet in one semifinal on Wednesday. Spain and Sweden play in the other semi on Tuesday. Lionel Messi appears to enjoy Miami and wearing those pink uniforms. He has uh, just not stopped scoring. His eighth goal in five games, Miami won 4-0 in their League's Cup quarterfinal yesterday. They're into the semis where they will play Philadelphia. The Whitecaps, by the way, not back in action till mm. next Sunday. Too bad Inter-Miami never plays in Vancouver. <laughs> They're hey? not here at least this year, but yeah. if they ever meet in the uh, championship, but that Miami's got to get would love them. to see Messi yeah. here. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, Barry. Coming up, uh, who doesn't love a feel-good story on this summer Saturday? More than a dozen penguins healed back to health and sent back home in Argentina. You won't want to miss this cute video. Stay with us. All right, this is a fun one. More than a dozen penguins were released back into the wild in Argentina this week. These 15 South American penguins hit the beach and then the water after spending months recovering at an animal rehabilitation center. But veterinarians and biologists had been looking after the group that was rescued from the Buenos Aires coast between April 2022 and February of this year. The penguins were washed, scrubbed, and treated until they were fit enough to be released back into the wild. Oh, that looks like a nice, fun dip. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Yvonne. Clean. <laughs> nice and clean. Yeah, nice and clean. And speaking of which, uh, do we have a nice and clean forecast? We or? do. Okay. You'll want to try and stay cool in the coming days. Heat wave uh, starting tomorrow all the way towards our Thursday. All right, that's it for Global News at uh, News Hour. Thanks so much for watching. Hope you all have a great night.